0: Hey, welcome back to the Good Lion Podcast and welcome to part two of our discussion on sex, violence, nudity in media. And the question of can Christians watch these things? Can a Christian watch a sex scene and have it be okay? Is it healthy for the soul? Is it unhealthy for the soul? All of these questions and more we are diving into in this topic If you haven't listened to part one, it'd be really good to go back and listen to it because we cover a lot of groundwork there. But thanks for joining us now. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to the conversation between me and my co-host, Brian Higgins. So thanks for listening. And with that, let's get to the show.
1: One of the other things that I think is interesting is right now we're talking about being comfortable with the simulation of something, being comfortable with a simulation of sex. And one of the things that I know that you wanted to talk about and is a really valid point to bring up is for some people, seeing the simulation of it makes them want the real thing. And we both come from youth ministry backgrounds and we both um still today help disciple and minister to to young adults, particularly young adult men in the church. And not that this is only a male problem, but just because that's the ministry experience that we have of we walk alongside young men who struggle with porn. One of the things that's really important to bring up is seeing something that's simulated can make you no longer want the simulation and can take a guy who is doing his best to move past the struggle of pornography and bring them right back to something they worked so hard to get out of
0: right and it's it's an interesting kind of parallel because again i simulate violence all the time most guys that i know play video games you know we'll play super smash brothers and we'll literally be hitting each other over the heads with baseball bats while we shoot fireballs down each other's faces but it doesn't make me at all want to really do that to
1: anybody, yeah, and we'll do that in the church youth room. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll do it in the church youth room. But if we sit as a group of guys and like watch pornography or a show that has all the sex and nudity, and which sounds really weird to do that with a group of guys, but you know, just doing it at all, it, it triggers something in me. I'll just be honest that makes me want those things, and um, I think I think it's a it's a It's a thing where it's this combination of good nature meets sin nature. Like God designed me as a guy to respond to beauty in a certain way and and sexualized imagery. And he created that in a place where for me and my marriage and my wife, like it's meant to be there. It's meant to be a good thing. But if, if I see those images outside of that context, then that's where the sin nature kicks in. And all of a sudden I'm attracted to things that I shouldn't be attracted to, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it totally does. And I love that you're bringing up the point of those feelings have a a good intention because it's easy in youth ministry, particularly to look at students who are feeling sexual urges come out of putting themselves in tempting situations and they tell themselves these feelings are bad. Yeah. And it's not that those feelings are bad. It's sort of like uh, this is a very, I don't even know if this analogy will work, but let's find out. Um, super glue is really helpful mm. and can do a lot of good for you. Yeah. And it can, you know, take a table that's broken. I don't know if you'd ever fix a table with super glue, <laughs> but it can take broken things and help bring them back together. Right. But super glue is terrible. If you get some on your hand and then stick your hand to your face, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's doing the same thing. It's bonding two things together. The question is, do those two things belong together? Yeah, no, totally. And when, totally, when those, feelings of attraction come up, when those sexual impulses come up because of something you're watching, all of those things that rise up in you, they are meant to bind two people together. And the question is, should you be bound to the person you're looking at?
0: Yeah, it's it's honestly this huge issue in the church with so many Christian kids, you know, sheltered Christian kids who grew up in Christian homes, because a lot of times the message that kids get from parents and Bible teachers and different things is that sex is gross. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's something that's just like, Oh, that's horrible. And it's wrong because, you know, if you're sitting there, if, you know, if you're a kid and you're watching TV and a sex scene comes on and your parents come in the room and they just seem disgusted, it can kind of create in you this idea that, you know, sex is, it's vile and wrong. And And I think that's been kind of the disservice that we as the church have done. We haven't done enough to actually say like, no, this is actually something that's beautiful and it's good. It was created by God. But I think here's like, to me, this is the best parallel I can think of. Christmas morning is beautiful. It's amazing. It's, it is just this great moment where as a kid, you know, you come down the stairs and the presents are there and you're just, you're opening them. There's nothing disgusting or, or weird about it. It's It's a beautiful moment. It's giving, it's receiving and all that. What would be disgusting is for you to break into somebody's house and steal their Christmas presents because then you're taking away from another child, you know, another family, something that was special and sacred in the context for them. That's the best analogy I can think of. There's nothing gross about sex. There's nothing wrong or dirty about sex. What is wrong and dirty is taking from someone else what was specifically meant the context of their marriage. And we're doing that, you know, if we sleep with somebody that's not our spouse, we're doing that. You know, if we're single and we're sleeping with someone we're not married to, we're doing that. But honestly, to the same extent when we're looking at pornography or even just undressing someone with our eyes, we're doing the same thing. We're we're taking away from something that was meant for a very special sacred thing.
1: I love that analogy and and I think it goes right to this idea that we're talking about that you can be watching a show that has simulated sexuality in it and it can make you want porn again. Right. And as that happens, the desire that's rising up in you is not to have your own Christmas, it's to steal somebody else's. Right. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just so strange to me because I I know so many guys. I've sat down with so many guys who struggle with pornography, they struggle with lust. And it's so easy to trigger these kind of reactions in these guys. Like it's a struggle for them even to go to the beach. And that's not like to say like, oh, you know, girls, you all need to wear one pieces or like just wear... F-. Yeah, that,
1: that's a place where self-control needs to grow. Yeah, exactly. But but what I'm saying is for these
0: guys where it's a struggle, like once they're around swimsuits, it's a struggle for them. It's... they're They're kidding themselves if they think that they're going to be able to watch a tv show with full-blown sex and nudity and not have it be a stumbling block to not have those feelings stirred up and i know this is the case because statistics have shown that recently after episodes of game of thrones have aired porn searches on pornography sites for game of thrones related porn they skyrocket they
1: jump up Which I find that surprising. Like, I'm blown away by that, but I really shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, it it makes perfect sense in terms of how we're talking about this stuff works within us. And particularly if we think about the bonding power that sexuality has, then it makes sense that when you see something that stirs up sexual desire in you, you feel bonded with it and you feel like I should have more of this. And right, um, it's just teaching you to do that in this like really unhealthy, unbiblical, unloving way.
0: Yeah. Most people listening to this, if you're single, you know, your goal is marriage. Your goal is Um, you know, except for the very select special group of people who have just the calling to lifelong singleness. Most single people listening to this, you know, you want to be married, you want to be in a committed covenant relationship with somebody else. I just want to encourage you that pornography and not even to a lesser extent, to to the same extent, shows and movies that feature pornography, if we make these a regular part of our diet, what it's teaching our minds to do is to have sexual responses towards multiple people towards the idea of variety that's one of the biggest dangers of pornography is it Mm -hmm. it very much takes you away from this idea of one person one body one sexuality that i'm committed to for the rest of my life and instead it trains you to go well in order to have a sexual experience i need to see at least 10 different naked people and um That is not going to serve you well in a marriage at all. In fact, it's going to be something where it could potentially lead you to not see your spouse in a sexual way and not have your spouse trigger that sexuality in you. But instead, you need other things to trigger. And that's a very real problem in some marriages, sadly. Yeah,
1: And and even without the issue of pornography coming into the marriage, just think of I don't know how much you've worked with people who are experiencing marriage problems, but I mean, I haven't a ton, but I've talked with pastors who have, and I've had some experience with that. And even just in like, forget whatever the reasoning is for a lack of healthy sexuality in a marriage just the fact that it's lacking, you're taking away one of the things that's meant to bring you together. Right. And so marriages that don't have a healthy view of sex and a healthy sex drive for one another, they wind up with all of these issues actually staying together. And it's because they're taking away this one thing that's really meant to help them stay together. Right absolutely no i
0: i want to switch over to the idea of looking at things with lust because i think scripturally we need to go to the word to to figure out what it says and jesus in matthew five twenty eight says if i say to you if anyone looks at a woman with lustful intent has they've already committed adultery with her in his heart and it parallels in job 31 when job says i make this covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Jesus is like basically saying to us that, you know, we've all heard it said, do not commit adultery. If you're married to somebody, don't sleep with somebody else. But Jesus is like, listen, like in my kingdom, because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's kingdom manifesto. It's him basically saying, for me as king, I'm going to explain to you how citizens of my kingdom should live. Jesus is like, listen, in my kingdom, we're so respectful and we're so loving of our sisters That we are not going to even objectify them in our minds, in that secret place where nobody knows and where you, you know, it's not like anybody would see that you're doing that. You know, if you're objectifying a girl, it's like she doesn't even have to know. You can just do it privately. Jesus is saying, in our kingdom, that doesn't fly. In my kingdom, we do not treat human beings made in the image of God for our own sexual satisfaction.
1: may be helpful to think about some of the parallels that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter five, because um, it's one thing to try to see it with adultery and and sexual intent in your heart. One of the other ways that Jesus does this is he looks at murder and he says, hey, you've been told don't kill each other. And that's a great thing. You should keep not doing that. Right. But if you're even angry at your brother without a righteous cause, you've already committed murder in your heart. And so Mm. the whole theme Mm. of that section of Matthew 5 is saying, I'm not just interested in your actions. I'm interested in the heart that leads to your actions. Right. And so Jesus isn't even giving us that first step, so to speak, he's not even giving us that little heart issue that maybe we won't act on, maybe we won't do anything with, but it will inwardly corrupt us. He's saying, You don't even get that anymore. Like that unto itself. Right. Is wrong and damaging, and it's hurting you, and it's hurting the woman that you're looking at. Right. It's hurting everybody. That's not what my kingdom will be all about. And if Jesus is preaching a kingdom of inward transformation that He makes possible by the Spirit living within us, then we should expect that with sexual purity, mm. it will begin inwardly, and it will begin and and maybe like I I just know I talked to some youth students, and I talked to some people in general about sexual purity. And we asked the question like, what limit do we need to get to? Mm. And I, I forget exactly where it is in scripture, but it talks about that sexual immorality shouldn't even be named among you. Yeah. So like it shouldn't even be a little bit. And that just gets so discouraging for a lot of people. Right. But remember, this is God's goal for every area of life, that it won't just be you're producing these actions that are outwardly good, mm. but rather your heart is transformed to the point where you are inwardly good.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really, really good. And I, I love the distinction you make between, you know, Jesus is saying, if you're looking at somebody in anger and there's no righteous intent, it's just flesh anger. Um, that distinction that there is such a thing as righteous anger in the same way with sexuality it's not wrong in a marriage to look at your wife or your husband with sexual desire it's actually a very very good thing so to look lustfully there's this distinction between sexual desire which is healthy and god-given and lust which is taking something that's not rightfully yours it's breaking Mm -hmm. into the home and taking the christmas presents I love what James says in James chapter one, fourteen through 15. He says, um, this is a very actually gnarly verse. It's actually a verse that's using sexual imagery to make a point. A lot of pastors won't really even mention that in the sermon, but I think it's important in this conversation to point it out. So uh, verse 14 says... Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So it's like these stages, like you're tempted and lured by your desires. Like your desires are basically dressing up in scandalous outfits and saying, Hey, like, wouldn't it be so great to have me? And then basically it's like you get together with your desire and it's like this sexual contact with desire where then desire conceives us with sin. It's like the imagery James is using is like your desires, if you flirt with them and then you engage with them, they're going to literally impregnate you with sin not just girls. Like we're talking to everybody, guys here too. Like our desires, when we mess with them, they impregnate us with sin. And then the sin grows in us. And then we give birth to it. We, It's like, you, it starts with desire. And then all of a sudden you're like birthing out of your life, into your life, full blown sin. And then it says the sin grows up and it becomes big and strong. And finally it kills us. <laughs> That's a... Uh, wow. Yeah. Like
1: I've never realized how gross that verse is. It's like
0: alien you know like when the alien like implants that in your chest and then it like bursts out you know of your heart or whatever Um, it'd be like this like you know a man is watching a TV show that features sex and nudity and he's not expecting it you know it just comes on which happens at times but then when it comes on the screen it lures him and entices him and he doesn't look away and then it impregnates him with this desire and it fills him with a desire for more sexual imagery. And then the next thing he knows, he's hunched over a laptop giving birth to sin as he accesses pornography, uh, not just accidentally seeing something, but willingly chasing now after intentionally
1: it. intentionally going after it. Right.
0: And before he knows it, that sin has grown and grown into a massive addiction that ends up killing his marriage, his ministry, and his relationship with Christ. And this happens all the time.
1: Which is crazy. Like uh, it, it's, there's almost... Like, throughout this verse, there's this imagery that we just naturally want to recoil from, which is valid. Because I think with some people, and I know that I do this at time, I don't think of evil desires and a relationship with sin through the imagery of a sexual encounter I think of it through the imagery of a nice friendship Hmm. like sin is my bud like sin and I hang out like we go and do some stuff we talk we you know I'm able to tell him no sometimes and he gets it and like we think of sin as this like fun friend like even you you just like you go by like a chocolate store (laughs) And the description they'll put is that it's sinfully good, you know, and a bunch of things are described that way. Like sinful gets referred to as like this kind of sort of scandalous, like little bit on the edge kind of fun that we get to have. And so because of it, we think like, you know, remember when you were watching like those sitcoms in the 90s and like the older friend would show up and he'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to show you like what alcohol is all about. And it'd be like, (gasps) oh. this is one of those scandalous episodes. but like
0: A very special episode.
1: Yeah, like a very special episode. But like that older cool friend came in right. and was going to show you this new world. Right. And sometimes we think of sin that way. He's like the older cool friend that shows up and says, hey, I'm going to help you have fun. Hey, you sheltered Christian level.
0: who probably hasn't had any fun ever because of Jesus.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it comes and presents itself that way. And so we think that evil desire and, and sin are friends that wanna help us reach a new level of satisfaction when really the way that this verse paints it out, our evil desires, they're looking to have their way with us. You know, They're looking to get what they want accomplished and they're just gonna use us as the vehicle to make it happen. Not that they're looking for our benefit and our promotion.
0: It's, it's about killing and stealing and destroying the life of the believer. I think that's why Jesus is so extreme when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. And it's this idea where Jesus isn't just like, we've talked about this before in the righteousness series, but it's not like sin is this list of bad things and god's like i really don't like these things and you know you need to just stay away and obey me and like it's literally jesus is like this sin is like a wolf crouching ready to spring on you and devour you so if anything in your life is causing you to get near that wolf get rid of it because you don't need it like i don't want you to have sin literally jump on you and impregnate you and then all of a sudden you're birthing death and destruction in your life
1: yeah and think about the image that jesus uses is you know remove your right eye if you need to which we know is not a literal thing that jesus is asking people to do wait it's not i know i wish i would have known that That, i know this eye patch is really makes you look like a cool pirate yeah (laughs) but think about the imagery that just got used for sin like it did more than remove an eye from you mm. you know like the the damage that sin does is far worse than what Jesus is saying go to the most extreme lengths you need to right to make sure you're not allowing sin to creep in and take a hold of your life Because whatever you give up on the front end to avoid sin will be so much lesser in comparison than the damage sin will do once it actually is allowed in.
0: So to really, really make the point clear here, we can't tell you, you know, what you should or shouldn't watch. Like we can't give you a list of shows where it's like these are the approved shows for Christians and these are the bad shows for Christians. But what we can tell you is if any show or movie that you're watching is causing you to sin, is causing you to have sinful desires, then we can clearly say that the right thing for you is to not engage with that stuff, to cut it out. Yeah, it might be a bummer to not be able to keep up with the plot and talk to your coworkers about it or your friends at school, but it's so much better to have anything out of our lives that causes sin. And I'll just jump into this with with dating because I specifically (laughs) remember talking to a couple different um, uh, dating couples who, you know, we were sitting around talking and they were expressing some shows that they were watching. They were saying, Oh yeah, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And my response to them was like, guys, like I'm telling you, it is not a good idea for you as a dating couple to be watching a show with so much sex and nudity in it. And um, yeah, just, I've, I've told people that and I'm usually met with like, well, it's fine. We can handle it. But then sure enough, I've had people come back to me and say, dude, you were right. Like I, as the guy thought I could control myself, but sitting there watching these sexual images with my girlfriend, all of a sudden stirred up something in us. We're at the end of the episode. Now we want to do the things that we saw on the screen.
1: And that's not, does that make sense? Like is... Well, I mean, think about think about the way that movies affect us in general. Like I remember when I was a kid, any movie I walked out of from like the ages of seven to 12, I felt like I left with a new goal for my life. You know, like I got out of Shrek and I was like, it'd be cool if I were an ogre (laughs) because like then I could fight bad guys and like, Mm. I could you know save Princess Fiona or blah 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 I can make waffles in the morning with Eddie Murphy like just whatever movie I got out of it was like this is now what I want to do you know like you watch a document like there's a show on Netflix Chef's Table Mm. every time I love that show my wife and I watch it together every time we're watching that show and maybe this is just me being super influential but every time I'm watching that or influenceable not me giving influence me receive influence right I got gotcha. you yeah okay cool um every time we're watching that show there will be a moment where I'll go oh, I should have been a chef <laughs> just because I'm watching so and like it looks cool and I'm enjoying it and then I'll watch like deadliest catch and it'll be like Alaskan crab fishermen right. doing the most dangerous job in the world and I'm like ah oh, those are real men like I <laughs> I should be a crab fisherman like that would be cool and then I'll watch basketball and I'll see like the NBA finals or whatever and I'll be like man why didn't I play basketball more as a kid like right maybe I could have been there like we're maybe I'm just weak but I think we're naturally prone right to look at greatness in other people or look at heroes presented to us and it makes us say I want to follow in their footsteps yeah you know, that's no. that's why so often totally. when when you're driving around a neighborhood, you can see kids playing basketball in their driveways. And so many of them are counting down because they're (laughs) imagining that last second shot that they get to make. They've seen a hero presented to them. And they're like, I want to do the things that made that hero so heroic. Right. And so naturally, when we look at a scene where we say, wow, these two characters are happy. Yeah. <laughs> these two characters seem satisfied. How did they get there? Oh, they used sex for their own purposes. Yeah. And that made them satisfied. Right. Maybe that's what I need to do. And yeah, it's just, if, it works across the board. It's not just sex that does this.
0: Yeah. If you're a young Christian couple and you know what the scripture says. You know that sex is meant for marriage. And so you're trying to, to keep that, to honor that, to honor the sexual ethic of Jesus. But then you're sitting there and you're watching, like you said, to like a couple that's happy and they're enjoying sex and it's, it's fun and it seems awesome. It's, it's literally going to cause you to, to say in your heart, why can't I have that? That just seems so great the people on the screen seem like they're having such a good time that makes me want that as well and it, it's it's totally natural and that's why it's very important i think personally i would encourage anybody in a dating relationship don't do that to the person you care about and don't do it to yourself like absolutely like realize that those triggers are real don't just roll your eyes and say oh you two old red bearded married guys you don't know what it's like yeah, we do. We've been there. Like we're we're speaking from experience. Like these are things that for us in a dating relationship would not have been good for us and mm-hmm. We're just trying to pass that on. Um.
1: There's a movie that I haven't seen this movie. There's a movie that Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis were in together called Friends with Benefits. And I remember, yeah, I remember watching the trailer for it. And there's this quote that has kind of like stuck with me where they're watching. I think they're dating at this point or something, or they're just friends or whatever. I don't know. Um, And they're watching like this romantic movie together. And the scene at the end is the classic scene that we see in so many romantic movies where we know that the two characters are happy and together because this gra- there's this grand final kiss that they share. And it's like, "Oh, look, now they're happy." And Mila Kunis's character says, "I wish that there was a movie about what happens after the big kiss." Mm. And Justin Timberlake's character says, "They make that movie. It's called porn." Oh, wow. And it's kind of like this diving in like, gosh. There's this underlying idea though that even when we see what looks pure on the surface, it still gives this way To a desire that leads much further. You know, there's this one moment that you see on screen, but it makes you want this other moment that even if you don't see it there, it still can put that in your mind. And so, one of the things with these dating triggers that I think you need to be careful with is sometimes you will feel like your trigger is so stupid. You'll feel like it shouldn't be leading me to this. Like, And sometimes the right answer is you need to learn more self-control and you need to not let point A automatically lead you all the way to point Z. Like sometimes that is the right answer. But a lot of the times it's not being worried about how you feel your trigger is like we want to be tempted at a level that makes us feel like we're like it takes a lot to tempt us sometimes. Hmm. Like we want to feel like our what tempts us is worse than what tempts other people. Yeah. But what's wise is saying, look, for whatever reason, this thing makes me want this other thing. So I need to get rid of the first thing, no matter how silly or how insignificant it may seem. It doesn't matter if it's leading you to a bad place, then it is significant and it is a problem and it does need to be dealt with.
0: Right. Like, again, just to reemphasize, we can't, you know, necessarily tell you what are the right and wrong shows to watch. But the main point we're getting at is if anything causes you to stumble, it's probably a good idea to get it out of your life. Like, and I'm, I'm serious, like if, if playing Super Mario Brothers w- makes you want to go jump on people and stomp their heads, then you probably shouldn't play it. Mm-hmm. most most people that's not going to be a problem there might be somebody out there where that is or you know if watching breaking bad makes you want to go and become involved in drugs and and you know become addicted to like crystal meth then yeah probably not a good idea and or
1: even just like makes you want to be cutthroat in the way that you go about business or if watching yeah. house of cards you know makes you want to crush your enemies right instead of love your enemies like that that's a bad thing you need to cut that show out then
0: right yeah and I think it's very important touching back on the topic that we're talking about and Brian I know you got to go in a second so we'll finish this up quick but I think it's really important to recognize that sex sells and the industry knows that and there's this Pornification of media and culture, where they very much know that this is something that triggers people, and they they financially know that they can bank on it making an impact. Um, Neil Marshall, one of the directors of Game of Thrones, and you know we're, we're just picking on Game of Thrones a lot right now because it's big in culture. But this is not the first show that's had sex and movie. we're sure and
1: it's not just. It this will
0: point. not, yeah, it will not be the last. But here is a quote from Neil Marshall, one of the directors of Game of Thrones. He says the weirdest part of directing game of Thrones was when you have one of the executive producers leaning over your shoulder going, Hey, you can, you can go full frontal nudity. You know, this is television. You can do whatever you want and do it. I I urge you to do it. And he was like, well, okay, you're the boss. Um, this particular executive took me to one side he says and says, look, I represent the pervert side of the audience. Okay. Everybody else is the serious drama side, but I represent the perv side of the audience And I'm saying, as the pervert side, I want full frontal nudity in this scene. So you go ahead and do it. I think it's just, it's fascinating because this executive himself admits that they are selling pervertedness. He didn't just say sex. He he said the pervert side. This is a non-Christian television executive admitting that perversion sells. And that's the motivation of the entertainment industry there's this literal dark force behind the scenes. And that might sound like overdramatic to say, but Satan literally wants men and women to objectify one another. That is one of the biggest tools in his tool belt to convince humans to treat one another wrongly and to hurt one another is starting by having them objectifying one another. Satan wants people addicted to porn and he wants broken sexuality to be normalized.
1: It's crazy to hear it so plain. You kind of feel like you knew those conversations were happening, but it, it, it's sort of like when when Snapchat was first really gaining momentum, um, everyone had these fears of like, well, this could just become a way that, you know, nude photos get shared pretty easily. And then the makers of Snapchat came out and they're like, yep, that's what we were going for. Like That was the, the-
0: plan the whole time.
1: The goal was to make it easier to talk to somebody and get nudes out of them. Right. Which it's like, it's this thing you instinctually knew, but you were just kind of hoping like, but it can't be that, right? And right. sometimes we have to admit, yeah, it is that. And yeah, it's it's and wrong and it's broken.
0: There's nothing evil about Snapchat. Even though there was the intention of the creators, there's nothing inherently evil about Nap. But if you're listening to this and if Snapchat is a way that you have people that you're not married married to sending you nude photos or you are tempted to send photos to people and or, or maybe you do send photos, then that's not a good thing in your life. And it doesn't matter if it's Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or just text messaging. Anything that is this open door that's just constantly causing us to struggle with sin, I think Jesus would say, cut it out.
1: You know? Can I share one final thought to close? Yes. So all throughout, there's been this lingering question that we've we've answered at times and we've come back to at times. But the question of what if what I'm watching doesn't affect me? Mm. What if an image put in front of me doesn't bother me? Right. Um, there's a, a moment in the Bible when John the Baptist is killed and the reason, The reason John the Baptist is killed is because King Herod is hanging out at a party and a pretty young girl shows up and dances in a sexually provocative way. And it says in the Bible that he was pleased by this dancing and he was influenced by it to the point where he said, tell me whatever you want and I will give you everything up to half of my kingdom. Gross. Just for one dance. He was like, look, look, whatever you demand of me, I will give you. Yeah. And one of the things that we need to always keep in mind is that when it comes to imagery that evokes sexual desire outside of marriage, it will always ask us for something it will always ask us to pay it some kind of tribute. Uh, I was listening to a Tim Chaddock message recently. (laughs) Dang, dude. And he was saying an idol is something that promises to save us and then demands a sacrifice from us. Wow. And so sexual imagery can come along and it offers you this kind of salvation. Hey, are you frustrated? Are you down? Are you feeling lonely? I can save you from this. That's what Hmm. it comes and Hmm. offers to us. And then it demands that we sacrifice at its altar. And, And a lot of the times what we're sacrificing is just what you're saying, Aaron, that we stop viewing other people as human. Right. So be very careful about thinking something I view doesn't have power over me. It very much can in ways more real Than you may understand at the moment. Like, I'm sure Herod wasn't sitting there saying, Wow, I've completely lost control. Like, he wasn't thinking that, but that's exactly what happened. And we need to, we will often recognize that we've lost control long after we've surrendered it.
0: Hey everyone! Thanks so much for listening to our conversation. I know this is a dicey topic, but hopefully, our conversation made you think. That's our goal. And as I close out the episode, I just want to give you guys a tool, a, a resource that has been really, really helpful to me, and that is VidAngel. Um, VidAngel is a online filtering service. And no, this is not an ad. I'm not getting paid by VidAngel for this. I just, I personally use this. And so I thought maybe some of you guys might want to know about it. So what is VidAngel? Well, it's a great way to watch content online while still keeping yourself from content that can harm your walk with Christ. Um, It filters out violence, language, disturbing elements, sex, nudity, really anything that you'd want to filter out, you can. Um, And it hooks up to Netflix, Amazon Prime, Amazon Video, and HBO through Amazon. So you can watch a lot of stuff on this and filter out things. I personally usually just keep everything else in and just turn off the sex and nudity, and I'm pretty much good to go. I never really feel like I'm missing out on anything. If there's a scene with a couple, and it seems like they're about to have sex, and they just walk into the bedroom and close the door, and then it just goes to the next scene, I mean, I can fill in the details. I don't need to actually see the actor's Doing it to know what the story is trying to tell me. And personally, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to even watch a story that has characters that do things that are wrong in it. I mean, we read stories in the Bible all the time that has characters who do many evil things. So it's not an issue of like, oh, the show is evil, don't watch the show. The problem is encountering things in the show that cause me to stumble, they harm my relationship with my wife and with Jesus. And so for me personally, that's why I turn off those things. And I'm not saying it, you know, makes me any holier than anyone else, but I am saying that for a lot of people who struggle and who have conviction that for them to view that kind of content would not be the best thing for them and their marriage and their walk with the Lord, I think it's a great alternative. And you know, I don't think as Christians we have to be prudes and just watch Little House in the Prairie or Veggie Tales. But I do think that we need to be wise and try our best to not place anything in front of us that causes us to stumble. And, you know, with VidAngel, you can even watch Game of Thrones without any of the sex scenes. So, I mean, it's a great alternative. I think it uh, could be very helpful to a lot of people. And it's pretty cheap. I think I pay maybe $9 a month or something like that for it. I'm not sure. Look it up. but yeah, check it out. VidAngel, very helpful. Hopefully that's helpful to you. So thanks again for listening to this episode. Good Lion is a production of Hassed Creative and the Calvary Global Network or CGN. We are a nonprofit podcasting ministry run by a team of volunteers. And our goal is to bring quality, Jesus-focused content to the body of Christ for more awesome podcast content as well as articles educational resources and more check out our website goodlion.io and if you want to support our work please visit goodlion.io support if you like what we do leave us a review on apple podcasts or itunes it helps so much to get the word out there about what we're doing thanks guys for listening and until next time this is aaron signing off